so fuck yes, welcome to Brian Russell with me as always is Jonathan Hardesty. Welcome back. And Cherry Darso. Hello. Uh, unfortunately, we are uh, we are down one co-host for the next I don't know how many weeks. Uh, Emily has found herself uh, gainfully employed, so congratulations to Emily. Yeah, she chose but, money over us. Yeah. Ugh, how rude. Where's the loyalty? <laughs> uh, but yeah, so her Wait, schedule- we're not getting paid for this? Um, no, you are. The check's in the mail. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that lovely voice was Mr. Kyle Smith. We got him back. Yeah. <laughs> hello, hello. What After, has it been? Two years? Uh, I don't know. It's been a while. Yeah. No. No? One year? We definitely did. Uh, um, no, I guess it's been a year. Why am I forgetting the name of the film? It felt like two. Blade, Blade Runner, Runner two. Yeah, 2049. Yeah, last yeah. year. So it's been a year. I yeah. think I was pregnant yeah. when we did that. I think so. Yeah. I just enjoy inviting Kyle on for movies that he has cosplayed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. It's There's a actually, yeah. theme. <laughs> There's actually two similarities for me between these two movies that I've done with you guys. Excessively so. long and cosplaying? I, okay, so three. <laughs> <laughs> and very dramatic men. Yeah. What's the other one? What am I missing? Well, I don't know if I should reveal it yet. Okay, then we'll hold on to it. We'll hold, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you were both shot in IMAX? No. <laughs> uh, so we'll do a, uh, a very quick where have you been doing before we dive into uh, our movie of the day, which will be Mission Impossible Fallout. Out, out, wicka, out. wicka, Fallout. <laughs> God, that joke is not going to stick around. God damn it. <laughs> um, I'm going to go first because I am bursting at the seams and I'm going to ruin everything for you. That's not true at all. I'm actually totally not allowed to. Uh, I saw Captain Marvel. Woo! Uh, I got to see it two weeks before it came out because I had a friend who had a girlfriend who was not able to go, um, which worked out really well for me. Uh, And all I can say is whether or not I liked it, and I can tell you that I loved the absolute hell out of it. Uh, It is in contention for my uh, favorite Marvel movie, I think, ever. Um... Everybody in the movie is fantastic. It actually kept me guessing a few times, even though I'd had some stuff spoiled for me because I know friends who worked on it. Um, but uh, I would I would try to avoid reviews as much as you can. Not ours, of course, which will drop on March 5th when the embargo drops. Um, which I will say now, if you do want to read my review of it when it comes out, the first three to four paragraphs is as spoiler-free as as fucking reading a magazine not related to the movie. doesn't like, even I, say what the name of the movie is, too. So all it says is the name of the movie. That's <laughs> oh, it. This, the, the rest of it is just general feeling about how I feel it compares to the rest of the MCU and just whether or not it was a good movie. I don't give away character names. I don't give away location. I give away nothing in the first four paragraphs. So you can read that thing and go in totally fresh. Everything past the first four paragraphs, you will have everything ruined for you. So I understand if you don't read past there until after you see it. As a, but, as a sidebar, just you can cut this shoot. out. Uh, remind me, and I'll put a, I'll make an image, uh, like a like spoilers below image. Okay, cool. Post. Um, so yeah, that's really all I'm going to say about it. Uh, otherwise, then when it comes out on March 5th or March 8th or whatever the hell day it is, uh, go see it as soon as you can. It was fantastic. And that was a preview for your new podcast before the hype. Yes, right? of course. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We are trying to put some more uh, up to date stuff on the website because uh, that's you know fun. Yeah, <laughs> that's really um, it. It's just well, like, and it's good to to finally have an opportunity to kind of get ahead of the game. Yeah, yeah. This is the earliest we've ever been on anything, especially since we're you know by choice super late on everything. Right. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's it for me. Uh, so I've been uh, continuing along the Venture Brothers train. I just what, what? just finished uh, season three. Thought that was pretty bonkers, and there was a lot of unexpected stuff at the end of that. And true, like I started season. Why four. did you buckle up? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you do that? Come on, Dean. Um, 
Yeah, and then I just started season four, and true to what you said uh, last time you mentioned it, uh, it just goes. It just go. It ju- what was it? You jumped the shark. Yeah. It jumps the shark, and it's so good for it. Yep. I've had to be careful when I watch it because I've la- I started to laugh louder and heartier with each passing episode as the jokes start to kind of pay off. Oh yeah, it, it's season four is a doozy. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. So really enjoying it, and the podcast too. You know. Yeah, they're okay. Thanks. Hey, hey, fuck <laughs> <me>. <laughs> Where have you been doing? Where have I been doing? Uh, I have not been able to catch up on too much lately, but I did watch the first episode of Umbrella Academy on Netflix. Uh, and I only had vague knowledge of this series on Dark Horse. I knew what it was. I never read it. Uh, I didn't realize it was written by the lead singer of My Chemical Romance, <laughs> Gerard Way. And I was like, well, that makes sense with the costumes. <laughs> uh, and the first episode, I really enjoyed. It really got me in like a lot of intrigue and everything. I thought the casting is really good. Um, Ellen Page is really mopey, but I got, you know, I understand the reason she's mopey. Everyone like, is really mopey. That is daddy issues of the show. It is daddy issues of <laughs> the show. Uh, and I'm excited to watch more episodes. Uh, I didn't watch one last night because I didn't know if you'd be mad if I watched one without you. I would have been. So okay, so I watching. did. Okay. <laughs> uh, so that'll be uh, the next make sure we wait for each other to watch it show. And So check yeah. in with us in a year when we finish it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't want to give too many details for anyone who hasn't got it because it's just recently on Netflix. So anyone who hasn't gotten Caesar's it. Caesar's great, man. Yeah. <laughs> it does have a talking uh, uh, ape. And he's very delightful. Uh-huh. Wait, and they named him Caesar? No. <laughs> no. Brian's no. making a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'd have been like, wow, synchronicity. <laughs> Caesar yeah. is hope. I, I liked it. So I'm going to leave it at that. Kyle, go. All right. Um, I haven't been anywhere recently because I'm like too busy. But um, last month, where where have I been, was Sundance. Oh. Um, so, and I maybe saw 32 films i feel like you usually see more is that a low number no for you? that's that was my record that's your record <laughs> yeah. wow yeah uh, do you even sleep when you go to sundance no because um usually i'm seeing a uh like 9 a.m movie or an 8 30 a.m movie and a midnight movie yeah you have to get there super early for and like- you have to get there yeah like it's not like like the i i did five one day and i was like that's it and then I did six one day, and I was like, "No, that's literally." It. Did you um, because eat during the movies? Like, how do you do? No, that? you just. Well, the thing is, it's not like like I marathon movies at movie theaters all the time, but that's like one right after the other. You right. know, like maybe fifteen minutes in between movies, if that. Whereas at Sundance, you've got like at least an hour in between movies where you're just like standing in line. Um, so that's usually when I eat. Did- <laughs> Have uh, like taco vendors or hot dog vendors taking advantage of the line? They have like they have concessions at like the locations. Okay, um, you know it's fairly limited, but they've got some food. I feel like the food truck game could be pretty big there, but I just don't think they really exist in that environment. That. It's the same thing feeling I had last time I was in line to get into a DMV. I'm like, why is there not a taco truck right here? Oh man, yeah. that'd be such a good idea. I will say the concessions <laughs> are at least usually run by local. Like cafes or restaurants, okay. um, That's kind so of cool. at least it's, it's like, not just popcorn. So it helps the local dogs. business. So it helps the, the community. Yeah. So uh, any um, standouts? Yes, I will give you my rough top four. 
Okay. And then a fifth that you can actually watch right now. Not now. Finish the episode. Okay. <laughs> like, and then go watch it. <laughs> um, so my top four were definitely The Farewell, um, which has Aquafina in it. I love Aquafina. Um, and I think it's the best thing she's done in her acting career thus far. Her very wow. short acting career, but she's fantastic in it. Um, the Last Black Man in San Francisco, um, which is great because it's actually an independent film. A lot of movies at Sundance no longer really feel like independent yeah. films because they've all got big celebrities sure, in them. Yeah. Um, Danny Glover's in this film for maybe 10 minutes. He's the biggest name in it. The leads are all like first-time actors. And, That's awesome. Um, it's, and it's a beautiful film. Really okay. poetic, and um, the cinematography and score are top-notch. Hmm. Um, I Am Mother, which is a really great sci-fi, um, like apocalyptic uh, robot raising a human child uh, in a bunker. Um, I've heard three or four people talk about that one. Yeah, I really liked it, um, and I think it's, it's a, a really beautiful, um, uh, like, low-budget sci-fi. Cool. Um, and then uh, Blinded by the Light, which is from um, the uh, uh, writer-director of Bennett Like Beckham. Oh, okay. Um, and so in her style, um, it's a, a period piece, a um, uh, uh, Pakistani-British uh, kid uh, growing up in small town outside of London, um, and he discovers the music of Bruce Springsteen, and it changes his life. And they got the blessing of Springsteen to use all of his songs in the film. Um, it's really fun. Is and that the one I can watch right now? No, it's God not. God damn it. It's uh, not. You've, you've discovered the movie that Brian's entire family is just going to become obsessed yeah, with. Yeah, it's. Big I think fans. you're really going to yeah. enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and then the movie you can watch right now is Velvet Buzzsaw, which is on Netflix. Oh, yeah. Ooh, I saw you've that heard one. Good things. So it's go. It's. It's going to be a very divisive movie. You're either going to love it or hate it. Yep. Um, I loved it. It's my type of comedy, um, and I love the commentary on the art world. It's based around like the kind of um, like the gallery okay, sure. selling art and what is art, and and it and it becomes like a. I think it's a horror comedy. Some people might just think it's a horror film. I think it's an extremely funny film. Almost like a like a farce, even too. Like yes. Just under the yeah. whole art. It's, I, I, thought, I, I thought it was delightful. Yeah. And enjoyable and yeah. hilarious. Yeah. But in a dark Don't way. watch the trailer, by no, the way. No, no. The Netflix trailer spoils The so Netflix much. trailer gives away so much. Yep. That's Go in. Like, I went into it blind, and it was the best way to see it. I've been trying to do that more. Like, I, I hadn't yeah. seen the <laughs> Captain Marvel trailer. I saw the first one once, and then I haven't watched anything since it. Yeah. I think that made that movie that much more enjoyable. Yeah. Um, Trailers are getting pretty rough these days. Yeah. Well, and Netflix auto plays these. The, oh, like, the I, second oh, you highlight yes. them, yeah. so you have to be fast. I so, hate that. So jump into Velvet Buzzsaw as fast as you can. Just don't even look. Just jump in and yeah. Fucking Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, that is where have you been doing? Uh, only four people. Here. It goes a little bit quicker. Yeah. That's nice. Um, so we're gonna start with Mission Possible Fallout. I I was going to like print out all the like stats and stuff for this one, but I don't really need them. This is the most successful Mission Possible movie to date. Um, has made more money than the rest of them, and uh, that is actually part of the discussion for today of why do we think that happened. Um, before we jump anywhere too far into it, though, we should do what we like to call 30-second breakdown, breakdown, breakdown. Uh, this week coming to you from Kyle Smith. Kyle, are you excited for this one? Um, 
Yeah, once again, I'm I'm breaking down a over two hour and thirty minute movie in thirty seconds. And so a, yet again, a very complex two hour and yes, thirty minute yes. movie. I mean, there's so, a lot of action in this, but there is a I lot have, of plot. I have cheat notes. Okay. Um, <laughs> and right. probably need a timer. But it's still it's going to be tight. It's a matter of <laughs> how fast I can read my cheat notes, basically. Uh, I am excited. Uh, All right, hold on. We, we haven't had a success in a while. Do some so. breathing exercises here. <laughs> All right, let me know when you're ready. All right, ready. All right, Mission Possible Fallout in 30 seconds. Here we go, 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 go! Ethan Hunt and his IMF team lose some plutonium. While they attempt to retrieve it, the CIA forces Hunt to be shadowed by Agent Walker, who looks a lot like Superman with a mustache. They halo jump into Paris and then destroy a nightclub bathroom. They have to abduct Solomon Lane in order to retrieve the plutonium as payment. Turns out Walker is working with Lane, but Hunt's team is a step ahead, then a step behind. Tom Cruise breaks his ankle. They track Lane and Walker and the plutonium to a medical camp where, surprise, Hunt's ex-wife is stationed. The team defuses two bombs while Hunt and Walker are in a helicopter chase and a fistfight on a cliff then Walker gets the hook. Ethan Hunt and IMF save the day. Oh my God! Just like Mission Impossible itself, you finished at the last second. <laughs> that was impressive. Well done. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Oddly wow. enough, like a lot is left out of there, but I think those are the main points. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, there was a couple. I mean, plus I had to include jokes because well, yeah, jokes are important. <laughs> jokes are important to everything. Um, but I think that 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 does a pretty good. Uh, Did a very good job. Yeah, that that gets everything. Um, so uh, before we get like too deep into like the ins and outs of this thing, what's the general opinion around the table? Do, do everyone like this movie as much as the world seemed to enjoy this one, or is it not up there with the rest of the Mission Possible? Franchise? Oh, it's a ton of fun. Yeah, uh, it's it is the one that requires the most. Uh, of its viewer, I would say, of a lot of yeah. these movies. You can't be as passive as you can be in other Mission Impossible films. No, I mean, like, uh, you watch Mission Impossible 2, and you can just turn your brain off until you hear the music rev up, and it's yeah. like, oh, it's going to be fun now. Ooh, there's Limp Bizkit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, like, uh, and you kind of had that with, uh, I'd say, the majority of them. Like, three, yeah. four. Uh, with three, it's like, oh, someone took Tom's wife. He's going to go get his wife back. Okay, cool. It's Eric Bana. Uh, yeah. It's so like His this... wife is Eric Bana? <laughs> no, he, he got kidnapped by Eric Bana. Get kidnapped by Philip Seymour Hoffman. No, that was three. That's, that's, that's three. three. Three's Philip Seymour that's Hoffman. Three, yeah. Oh, so four is when she gets kidnapped by Eric Bana. I don't think Eric Bana's in any of these movies. Think, no, no, he, uh, wasn't Nyquist, who, um, the who, no. dragon tattoo guy, the Eric detective. Eric Bana yeah. is the one was that four? is the double crosser and kidnaps Michelle Monaghan. No, isn't that Eric? No, Bana? it's um. You're thinking of uh. uh <sighs> I didn't take notes on the other movies. Uh, I didn't know I had to. <laughs> uh, Big Fish. Um, no, Billy, Billy Crudup. Billy, Billy Crudup. Yeah. There yeah. it is. That's who you're thinking of. That's who you're thinking of. I get them mixed up. He's sometimes. the double crosser yeah. in MI3. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad we all got there together. MI4. Yeah. Four. Yes. I'm right? sure everyone else was Wait, there what? before Wait. us. Wait. Three? I'm three. So I'm pretty up. sure it's three. Billy Crudup is in three. Yeah, that's all three. You had the movie For right. For some reason, I always leave Philip Seymour Hoffman out of it when I remember Philip that movie. Philip Seymour Hoffman's so good in the yeah, third he's one. He's so good he's in that movie. He's so good in it, but I... Always focus on the other guy. But I'm I, I think that's find her. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm gonna kill her. It's Sorry. So good in that movie. <laughs> and then to Tom Cruise back, kicks over a suitcase. To get uh, back to a similar situation in this film. <laughs> yeah, but like that's that's kind of my point though. Is like every movie before this one, I feel like they they, they don't necessarily like blend together, but it is kind of like the 
what was that one in again? Like, oh, is that the one with the building or is that the one with the plane? Like, yeah. there's like, they're yeah. all kind of samey. And then I feel like this one did a really good job of standing out. Like, this one, this one felt more like the first one to me, where like the first one you had to pay attention. There's all, there's a double cross a second. You have to, like, what the hell is the knock list? Like, what is going on in this yeah. movie? And then we haven't had like that level of like spy movie since then. Everything between there has just been fun action movie featuring spies. Yeah. And I thought that was a really refreshing thing to go back to. Um, John, what do you think of it overall? I'm pretty like mediocre on it. I really enjoyed it in the moment to moment of the movie. I was on board for it. I was stressed out as the countdown was happening to yet another bomb thing. And it was like, oh, we did it again. And I was like, yes, we did. And it's like I had the sense after watching it, more so after watching it, that it was like that difficulty of trying to figure out where everything was placed and then starting to kind of lose details on this movie again. Like, I feel like I should watch yeah. it another time just to... Well, I said, this movie requires more engagement. Right. It requires more engagement when the, the series so far has been kind of... You, you can kind of coast on it. And I think I may have missed a movie in between. So generally, like, I'm sitting kind of on the middle of it. I really enjoyed it in the moment. Afterwards, it feels like the rest. For me, at least. Okay. And Kyle, what was your general take on it? Well, this is my, I guess, third... Uh similar thing to yeah. Blade Runner the last movie I did with you it was my favorite movie of the year okay yeah so I loved it See, I, I'm right there I loved with you. seeing it in the theater I saw it again in the theater and I've watched it multiple times since yeah. it's come out on it was one video. of our few uh we're getting a babysitter tonight we're definitely going to this movie yeah like we like I just I enjoy the franchise and I I, I agree with Kyle yeah. like this one was just I don't and may, we'll get into it in like uh, probably just a minute here. Um, I don't know why this one clicked better than the rest, but it just all seemed to kind of work. Um, but we can kind of get into that. So that, that was going to be like my, my big talking point. I'm going out of order of our notes today. I apologize. Um, but why do you think this one is the most well-received? Because it's not just like with us around the table. Like it, it, Globally, this one has done better than any of the rest. Well, I think it has, uh, has similarities to Fast and the Furious in this regard where it's an established franchise that's been going on for a while mm-hmm. and then got made fun of for a while, and then people start going, oh, no, wait, they're good. Oh, this one's great. We're all going to go to this one. And it's and it's the one where the most... Uh, it brings more things in from previous films than the other movies did. Uh, so it has more payoff in that regard, especially for fans that have been sticking with it the whole time. It has a really great established cast yeah uh just to, it, sorry not to interrupt but just to jump on what you were saying when you say that this one has more things from previous <laughs> films i think that both in a lesser director hand or lesser i don't know hand like i feel like that would be more of a problem like this one has a ton of stuff from other films that if you haven't watched them you might be a little confused yeah or at least you'd think you would but i think they handle it really well like i think oh, yeah they definitely they handle it like, splendidly yeah, if you didn't know who sean uh, is it sean sean harris sean harris was like if you don't remember who he was from the movie before it'd be like okay i guess this is the bad guy like and you yeah. wouldn't have any problem like yeah. oh i need to see him get caught by ethan hunt to understand he got caught by ethan hunt no they yeah. they have it it's a good yeah. moment like it's it's a really good moment where henry yeah. asks him oh god you're the one who caught him aren't you yeah it's a good reveal yeah, yeah i think it's have... i think it's been the most successful because it's it's it does involve the other films in the franchise, but it also does a really good job of just being a standalone movie. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think they just handled it really well. They, you know, it's, which is difficult in the, in the time of, you know, Marvel and all mm-hmm. these anthology movies, you got to keep everything straight, but also 
be just a standalone movie because well, some people thing. don't want to see every movie. Some people do want to see every movie, and I think this just did a really good job of combining those. And kind audiences. of like what procedural television shows can kind of do well is that yeah, you kind of get the sense that this is moving forward, but they've been kind of in this perpetual state of just estrangement and return to each other and like we're doing this again all that stuff is happening over and over and over again but it feels like it's progressed further as they've gotten older like so yeah to what you said i agree and it's uh i don't remember exactly what i was going to say because it was it's interesting that we have like the same characters and the same cast and it's everybody who keeps coming back but at the same time if you've never seen them they don't they don't waste time introducing, like, this is Simon Pegg or Benji. He is the the computer guy. It's just naturally like, oh, you can just see. Like, they did it so naturally where it doesn't feel like you're getting exposition, but in a way you kind of are. And I think that comes down to, uh, this is the first time we've had a repeated director in the franchise. Uh, it's It got kind of known for each time we're going to bring in a big, bombastic director who's going to bring their own style to it. And, like, that was something I actually kind of looked forward to. Like, I liked it when I was like, okay, so Abrams did one. That's really cool. Who are they going to bring on next? Brad Bird? Like, that's insane. And it was an exciting time to be, like, a fan of this stuff. And then I heard that Macquarie was coming back, and I was like, I'm not sure how I feel about that. And he's not just coming back. He's doing more. Yeah. And after Well, what's funny is uh, Macquarie, after doing the last one, said, like, he was like, I feel bad for the person who's going to have to do the next one because I don't know how we can top this one. And then it was him. <laughs> and then he said that again about this movie. And now he's doing two more. So, See, um, another relation to Fast and the Furious, actually, with Justin yeah. Lin. Yeah. Well, maybe then maybe that's kind of where I start sitting on the fence a little bit in that I'm like kind of feeling middling on it because like it is the, the or they're similar things because I feel like I have seen the one before it, but I just forget so much of it. And I'm like, I had to remind myself through Wikipedia. And I was like, Okay, I, I get it, and this feels maybe this similar in a way. I don't know. So, I, I'm trying to say it in a way that I still really like this movie. I really enjoyed it, but it does have traces of familiarity that the Brad Bird one didn't, going from the Abrams one, et cetera, et cetera. So I've, um, at the end of this, I will plug another podcast that I suggest people listen to if they really like this movie. Um, it's an interview with Macquarie, and he actually talks about how he wanted to honor the fact that usually a new director comes right. in um he wanted this to feel like a different director was doing this so he huh. a lot of his department heads are different than mm. his usual department heads new cinematographer um i believe new production designer um so he like made a conscious effort to make it feel like a different movie i think he succeeded i think it looks like a completely different movie because yeah, i wasn't i mean i I like Rogue Nation. I think it was a very good movie, but when it came to like the grand, like grand, all of the Mission Impossible movies, it wasn't as bad as two, but I'd put it right above two. Like I thought it was a solid movie, and I enjoyed it for what it was. Whereas two is kind of a joke. Um, so I'm not saying it's a bad film, but when it came to the rest of the Mission Impossible movies, it's probably the one that I'd return to the least. And then, so that's probably why I wasn't as excited for this one. And no, I think whatever he learned on the first one and whatever he changed up, I, I agree with you. It felt like a different movie and it felt great to me. Yeah. I would say the thing that makes this movie stand out the most from all the other films and really like pulls you in it from the beginning is the sense of failure. Because before, yeah. in mm, every other yeah. Mission Impossible film, Ethan Hunt's untouchable. Like he He always knows exactly what to do and he's definitely going to do it right away. And in this one, we... He fails. He he gets too emotional. He's connected to his uh, crew, so he loses the plutonium, 
And then we get the next scene, which is, you know, it's a switcheroo, but we believe for a good 10 minutes that the world just got bombed. We fully believe that. We think that he's suffering the ramifications of his decision and the world is is like going to go into a nuclear wasteland. And, it, and they've never done that to us in any other movie where we got a sense of Ethan Hunt just straight up failing. I and bought that, too. They like, did it well yeah, enough. Like, yeah. Yeah, the first yeah. few minutes, I'm like, yeah. wow, they hid this yeah. well in the trailer. They did it yeah. really yeah. well. <laughs> and I think that's one of the reasons that everyone immediately got pulled in because it, it was something new and it was harsh. I think, I think that moment is one of the best uh, mask moments in yeah. all of... Or, or at least like ruse moments yeah. in all of Mission Possible, because they trick a majority of the audience too. Yeah, yeah. that maybe we're actually got more on board too with it. That 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 moment. That's what I mean. It's some something completely new for the franchise, so it immediately requires your attention. It's not even that it requires it. it it's that it, it gets it. Like well, that's it, what it, I mean. But but no, but that's what I mean again. Like it's it's what I was saying earlier with the other stuff. Like it did everything so naturally. Like this is the thing that's been bothering me a lot in just film in general. I feel like we've gotten way too exposition heavy, just kind of in general in most films. And this one did a very good job of what it does. Uh, exposition dump in the very beginning with the should you choose to accept it video. And then not really again the rest of the way. There's exposition littered throughout the entire film, but it's hidden and actually mixed into the movie. And you never have that moment of like, oh, here's them telling me what's going on. Yeah. This movie... Which I I could be remembering this wrong, but I believe that uh, Exposition Dump is Macquarie. I believe that's his voice. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. That actually brought up a good question when I was watching. I'm like, who the fuck edits these things? Yeah. <laughs> like, that yeah. thing is well edited. Like, that, <laughs> that had to take somebody yeah. time. <laughs> but it's, just, it's an example of being able to trust your audience and trust your own ability as a filmmaker to take an established franchise and even so you have all this baggage that you are bringing into this film, make it in such a way that it is open to new audiences and satisfy the old fans. Well, like it's, it is such an accomplishment. Yeah. Is some of it too, that he's allowed to trust the audience too. Cause with the whole bringing new directors on, like it seems like you could just, they might not know what they can get away with or do. And it seems like with his previous film, knowing that going forward, he knew he could trust the audience or like he could get away with trusting the audience without like oversight or something like that. Yeah. It really does. It, I think it makes a good argument for bringing directors back, which I never thought I'd be on the side of, but he really got to learn what worked and didn't work with one movie and then expand upon that in the next one, which is, it's kind of nice. Um, but moving on from just kind of our opinion and why we think this one was most received. What do we think of, uh, let's just start with good old Tom Cruise. How's Tom Cruise aging in this role? We like him still. I he's showing his age a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. I love Tom Cruise. <laughs> so do I. <laughs> I, I personally he's think Tom Cruise is one of the best actors in history. I want to argue with that statement because I feel like I should, but I just can't. <laughs> like, it's I'm not sure like, how I would start. Yeah, it's like yeah. I, I'll argue. I will agree with you on just his level of dedication and. <laughs> I don't know, just he is fantastic. You love to see him on screen. Yeah. I don't really feel like he loses himself in roles anymore that aren't action related. But I almost feel like I don't want him to. Like and that's like it's kind of an older style of acting that I'm like we don't get a lot of. Everyone's kind of trying to immerse themselves into the role method. Well, yeah. But he's just Tom, he's Tom Cruise the action star. Yeah, I is... think I think also uh, 
I don't get tired of Tom Cruise, the no, action star. I don't, like, I don't get tired of other, Tom Cruise being Tom Cruise. Other, no. other actors, like if they kind of start to do the same thing over and over, you know, it gets a little boring. I don't get bored with Tom Cruise. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. There's a reason why, like we, we've made this argument before on the show and I'll probably make it again. I, I think Tom Cruise is one of the last bankable actors where if you put him in the movie, it's going to make money. Well... That doesn't always work. Yeah, that that one where he the American something. I Actually, know. I like that movie. A lot. I've never seen it, but it um, did do well. The that did, it did better than you'd think, though. Really? They made their money back. Yeah. The mummy. The, the mummy, mummy did really well terrible. internationally. Oh, I hate oh, the that, mummy. Yeah, yeah. It made I its hate money. That movie. But internationally, they showed up for it. We didn't hear because it was trash. Yeah. But <laughs> but when we did watch it, and it was fun to watch him in it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. No. I, d- I don't. I hate everything yeah. about the mummy. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 his... I, I would agree with that. I don't hate Tom Cruise in the Mummy. I just hate that movie. Oh, it's such a bad yeah. movie. Yeah. I, I but, could. He yeah. could never decide what type of character he yeah. was. But still, I mean, we're talking about a guy who releases at least, well, on average, a movie a year, and usually it's one of the higher-grossing movies of that year. Like he, he's still yeah. people show up to see Tom Cruise. Also, the, sorry. Go, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, I have a theory that um, I'm fairly certain Tom Cruise is trying to kill himself while making a Mission Impossible movie. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I really, I would not be surprised if he has writing in his contract that they have to finish the movie if he dies. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me at all. <laughs> Suddenly, I, Bing Rames has wouldn't. to do an action sequence, and Bing Rames is like, what? <laughs> He's like, bitch, I can't walk. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, I, I think you're right. I think Tom Cruise is, uh, he's as good as he's ever been in the role. And it's, it's fun when you go back to like the first one, because I, I think Tom Cruise, like what Kyle just said, I, he's a great actor. And if you watch from the first movie to this movie, he's still Ethan Hunt. Like it's still like, obviously yeah. it's Tom Cruise in every role, but Ethan Hunt has grown as a character as Tom Cruise has grown as an actor. Like when he's you watch the first getting one, wary. yeah, but you watch the first movie and he's a shitty little, like cocky fucking agent yeah and then you watch now and he is a seasoned star of an agent and it's kind of fun seeing that growth because you kind of have the same thing with tom cruise at the time like he was fucking tom cruise it was the 90s and tom cruise everybody wanted to be him everybody wanted to be with him and now he's older but it's like he doesn't have that same star power that he did then but he's still tom cruise and everyone still loves him as more of a legend now and you kind of have that with ethan hunt now he's more of the legend yeah Yeah. that's kind of cool and in the way that he plays the character now like i was saying he's wary like you can see it on his face like you can almost feel it from like oozing out of him a little bit where he thought at some point he would have finished that he would have made the world safe. And even especially when he got that guy into jail and he thought he yeah. was done and like, nope. And in this whole, like I said before, he made a mistake in this movie and that's definitely wearing down on him. And every time he's trying to figure another situation out, you can kind of see it and hear it in his voice. Like he's just like, why is this not done yet? Oh, especially the helicopter chase. <laughs> like he's ready to die in yeah. the helicopter chase. Like I he's, also, he's going for it. Yeah. yeah. I also love that character's um, motivation, and they they call it out. I'm gonna jump forward to well, it's my second favorite quote. So <laughs> that's hof- fine. Hopefully nobody uses. <laughs> if my it comes quote. up organically, that's fine. Um, so uh, uh, Secretary Hunley, played by Alec Baldwin, um, says to Hunt, uh, "Some flaw deep in your core." Sorry, some flaw deep in your core being simply won't allow you to choose between one life and millions. Now you see that as a sign of weakness. To me, that's your greatest strength. I think that's such a strong motivation for an action hero. 
Mm-hmm. Like he literally wants to save every single yeah. person. He wants to save the world. Yeah. Um, and you see it in this movie. Like that's a theme, a really strong theme in this movie. You know, you've referenced it as a mistake. He saves a team member and potentially puts millions of yeah. lives in danger. I mean, it's, it is a conundrum where he's, yeah. he didn't, did and didn't make a mistake. Yeah. Well, because so. in his mind, his mistake was losing the plutonium. It was not saving Vigna. Yeah. yeah. Like that yeah. was the right call. Yeah. And it just happened to be that he lost yeah. plutonium while doing yeah. it. You know, and it and it comes back again. It's a constant theme in the movie. You know, with the uh, the French police officer that yeah. gets shot. Just walk um, away. Like, oh, you know, I love he that scene. knows like he has to save her, even though it endangers also, the rest of the mission. You yep. know, and that's the just just on the little woman thing for a moment here. I love that the one person he needs to save in that scenario already looks like a model. Like, yeah. you can't be an ugly woman and be next to Ethan Hunt, by the way. There is no average women in these movies. Well, no, it's a transformative thing being around him. Yeah. You just change into... Yeah, if you're a woman yeah. and you get close to Ethan Hunt, you're gorgeous. <laughs> <laughs> no matter what your job is. Yeah. But uh, there, there's something about that scene that I, I thought was interesting. And it's mostly that we've never had a scene like that in any other Mission Impossible movie. Like, this whole theme that we're talking about where he wants to save every life. Has, like You, you can kind of... If you want to, you can kind of find your way back through the rest of the franchise. Like, oh, I guess it was there. But it wasn't really cemented until this one. And that could be – and I think that goes back to what I was saying earlier. That's the growth of the character. It's also just a growth of the genre almost because even with this and, like, the the Bourne films, very rarely do these movies ever – acknowledge the pedestrian impact that their rampages have yeah yeah that's true and yeah this is one little moment in between action sequences in between another car chase where you get to see this woman get hurt or if you get them it's a joke yeah 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 Yeah. uh let's move on to henry good old henry cavill henry Oh, that I mustache <laughs> i enjoyed watching him I pr- lo- pr- like i enjoyed watching him just be charisma on screen. Yes. I I also will say I really like Henry Cavill. And I yeah. think he's been like, I'm really glad that people keep giving him opportunities. Because I think he's consistently good. Just some of his films just haven't been performing. Like, I think Man From U.N.C.L.E. was really great. Yeah. And I Nobody like both yeah. I like both of those actors, too. Army Hammer's Henry, another yeah. actor that I'm glad keeps getting opportunities because I think he's very good. Um, and yeah, like, he, I think Henry Cavill oozes charisma. Like, I think he has to deal with one of the, the things that a lot of men like him have to deal with of trying to prove that you are a very good actor while still being a beefcake. Well, yeah, and it's a problem that we haven't, like, that was like a, a thing coming out of the 80s that a lot of 80s action stars yeah. had to deal with. Like, Arnold Schwarzenegger, like, no, I, I, I'm I can, more than muscles and I, charisma. I can be a dad. No, you can't. <laughs> but, like, I can Henry, be a comedian. Yeah, oh. and, like, that's the thing. It's like, Henry is just a big guy. Yeah. Like, there's a reason he was cast as Superman because yeah. he walks in a room and is like, fuck, that's Superman. Like, he's just a big, like, not intimidating, but just a big, well built guy. He's yeah. the reason why we, t- like, he's the only part of that trailer we talk about. Yeah, and like to this day, <laughs> such a good. Fight and scene. he he does it so well in this movie where Angela Bassett calls him her hammer, and he definitely fulfills that. And then he flips it where he is a little bit of a scalpel, like he yeah. is a little bit of a maniac, and he hit it very well until you know Ethan Hunt figured it out, and then you yeah. know, you're, then you're finished. Yeah, I think uh, one thing that helped too in that was uh, the choice to kind of put him in more of a comedic relief role in the beginning, kind of make jokes at his expense. 
that, really he, kinda, that he was so by the book. So by the book and just kind of so robotic, but then like weirdly goofy at times, just in the decisions he made. Oh my, when they land on the, the building in Paris after he was like <laughs> yeah. unconscious yeah. and he's just like, it just lands very professional. You lost your air. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. just, I just love the way he landed. Like, well, like I'm the pro here. It's like, dude, you were just dead. <laughs> well, because I'm sure in his brain, he's like, oh, wow, I blacked out, but then I came to and I'm fine. Yeah. yeah. So, like, he has no idea that he was that Hunt saved him. So, of course, he's going to play it off like nothing happened. <laughs> like, there, there should have been, uh, like, in an extra scene, there could have been the, no, I made the mistake when I saved your life over Paris. The hell is he talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and... Did I almost die over Paris? Nobody <laughs> told me. Yeah. I lo- the one thing, other comedic thing I love about this movie uh, is we all know the mustache gate, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and they stash did. Stash gate, please. Stash gate. And to their benefit, they did need him to have that mustache because if you watch this movie, you know he's evil because every single person who's even remotely a villain has facial hair in some way. <laughs> it's true. There's mustaches, there's goatees, there's five o'clock shadows, and the only people that are clean shaven are women and our three protagonists. Way to call it like <laughs> most of the podcast here. Ouch. Well, you guys are all evil, by the way. <laughs> um, is seriously because I love that part in the club when he's looking around at all the people that are staring evilly at him. Oh, when he's and with they, the uh, what is it, the white. The white widow. The white widow. widow. And then, like, it progresses. Like, it progresses. So, like, okay, but that guy's got a mustache. That guy's got a goatee. And that guy looks super angry. He's got a full beard. He's serious. (laughs) He's walking right at me. (laughs) It's just so, it's comedic almost. Like, how important it is, how evil you are, depending on the level of beard you have. And the scruffiest, gangliest beard belongs to Lane. (laughs) That is kind of funny. Uh, what do we think about the uh, his Tom Cruise's crew, if you will, the Simon Peggs, Ving Rhames, Rebecca Ferguson's? It's it- it's interesting to see how Ving Rhames has gained weight and Benji has lost weight. That is interesting. Okay, I just, don't, <laughs> I, just I didn't also, notice that honestly. <laughs> I, I did. I, I think the only reason is because you watch him walk around. I made the joke earlier. Ving Rhames clearly is not the most agile guy these days. Yeah. When you get that kind of sedentary i think you uh you put on some pounds i like i i feel like this is the best he's or or the most opportunity he's he's been given in the franchise since the first one though absolutely oh to have like he kind of took he became that guy in the van yeah like and then in this movie they finally took him out of the van Mm mm-hmm and sometimes they, they literally take him out yeah, of the yeah. head in the beginning. <laughs> they did. Oh. But like they, they, they put him in the field, but they don't ever – they do it – again, this speaking more to the movie's like uh, quality. They never showcase the fact that like the actor is not agile. Like they, they do it well enough where, no, he might not be agile, but he's the one defusing the bomb. Like he's the yeah. one distributing advice. Like he's just – He's, he's the technical backup. Yeah, he's always where he needs to be, and he's great at what he does. Like it makes sense why Tom Cruise wants Luther around at all times. Yeah. I would say it does feel like with these movies in succession that we're getting less and less of them. Like, And that might just be just because of how charismatic Tom Cruise is and how the, like, the scenario just takes over at the very end. But it felt like there was less of – like those two guys in this one versus other ones. And I felt like there was less of them, but like maybe because they were spread out more or something. I just wish I, I missed them. I have, and I, it's a weird I have feeling to, to feel with yeah, that yeah. one. I, think, yeah. I, I don't, I didn't have that problem at all on this one. I feel like they're, they're always with Tom Cruise. 
I feel like in the in the other movies they were always comedic relief. Like all of his other people were just like a gang of knuckleheads behind him who just somehow yeah. make things work. And Tom Cruise is the only capable one. Yeah, I think we had diff- it with Jeremy Renner for a hot second and then he went away. Yeah, but like I think this one, the difference is is that it's not a bunch of knuckleheads behind him. Like they they actually switched it up and they made everyone who's with him a capable agent. So okay. it's not that they weren't in it as much; they just weren't showcased in the same way. Whereas, like in Rogue Nation during the car chase. You have Tom Cruise on a motorcycle getting beaten up, dying at a moment, and everyone else behind them, you can almost put Benny Hill behind, and they're just like, where the hell did Tom Cruise go? Whee! And like this one just doesn't, like they don't do that. Like they're actually in the sequences. Like so then maybe that's just action like, sequences. So then maybe it's just not being used to that, having them have yeah. more of a forefront yeah. and then yeah. being like, I like you guys in this role, do more. They, yeah, yeah. They're, like, they're, it felt like I wanted more. I wanted more of them. You missed the comedic beats, and I could understand that. Yeah. Just that this movie doesn't really have them. No. I, I think it does. I think I mean, they're it's, just... It has, they're smaller. That's what I mean. Like, they're, they're honestly, still there, I, but they're I've, not as apparent. I've, but I feel like most of the comedic beats have been shifted to Tom Cruise, Henry Cavill, and Rebecca Ferguson, actually. Yeah. yeah. And actually, Michelle Monaghan has a really great line, too. That's very yeah. funny. <laughs> um, but um, uh, I wanted to mention, I really love that um, Simon Pegg, Benji... Um, finally gets to wear a mask and they don't like make a thing about it he's actually the only person who wears a mask in this movie but they like don't call it out it's been like a running joke that he never gets to wear a mask oh okay and he is the only one who wears a mask in this movie and i like that he wears it so often he almost gets tired of it like why do i have to do it this time just that it's not even a line just the look (laughs) that great moment (laughs) of like you me (laughs) which one are they gonna buy his head um if we're, if we haven't talked on, um, where's her freaking name? Rebecca Ferguson? No. Or, yes, Rebecca Ferguson. Oh. Sorry. Um, her character is tricky for me in what they're doing with her. Uh, they're putting her in, again, a similar thing to Fast and the Furious, which I didn't even know I was going to reference that movie so much in this review. Uh, the whole, I'm the second woman trope. Um, cause we had that with Chris Hemsworth's wife in the fast movies. I forgot her name in those movies. So did I. Continue. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> where she definitely has her own vendetta. She kind of, uh, brings it up, but it's mostly Ethan Hunt looking at her face and just guessing everything, which is a great scene, but it's also kind of silly. Uh, I love that it's supposed to speak to the level of their relationship and, However much they keep wanting to make their relationship seem super deep and well-earned, that doesn't fully work for me. Because uh, she was in the previous film, and she was fantastic in that film. Yeah. And this one, she's mostly just kind of following them around and then helping a bit every now and then. And then we get to the end when she learns who Michelle Monaghan slash Julia is, and she's all like, oh, Ethan. He's so deep and multi-layered because he has this love for this woman, and I didn't know about it. But he also loves me. I'm a little conflicted. See, uh, I, I see what you're saying, but just to be a counterpoint, uh, I don't think that was the emotion going through her head. What I think, and I could be reading into this just because I like the movie so much. What I think she was going through it right there is, oh, I can't have a relationship with him. Well, there, yes, there is. That's what I mean. She's conflicted. But she, no, it's she'll... not, I can't have a relationship with him because he was married. I can't have a relationship with him because he's incapable of having a relationship. Yes, but that's kind of what I was okay. getting towards. Um, 
she she has to realize that she's never going to be number one for him and it's kind of impossible to be in a relationship with him like you were saying yeah he does not have yeah. a number one like his yeah. number one is society and people at large like yeah. so he will never be able to focus on anyone in a romantic way even yeah. if he wants to and he's just kind of like the ultimate mysterious romantic man in that regard which is a trope in many movies sure. and also of how call... he's the one that every woman wants but can't have because he's dedicated to the job and they've never re- really done that in this these movies before because it was just obvious he's dedicated to the job and I mean there's a part of me that loves that kind of romance and then there's another part of me that's a little annoyed at it because we've never gotten that with a woman in any film ever I would love to see that scene between a man and... I would love to see that scene flipped someday in in a movie. I would like to see that too, but um, I guess it didn't didn't stand out to me as much because I feel like... I don't know, this... uh, the romance isn't really important. It's obviously they have a connection, but it's not like a, you know, there isn't a there isn't a scene where they like pour their hearts out to each other or anything. No. It's it's just it's kind of there's obviously feelings going on, but it's not really to me it's not other than like building characters and letting them be real people. To me it's not important to the plot. I disagree cuz they have so many moments where it is the plot. Like the entire sequence when she's walking after Ethan and they're doing like a little cat and mouse thing and he's just walking in front of her. Oh, suddenly he's behind her. We're going to walk into these trees now. That's like a big plot moment of them getting together and figuring out what their motivations are. And then we have two different sequences where we just settle on... Oh, I keep forgetting her name. Rebecca's face when... Ving Rhames is describing Monaghan to her, and she's you, we're just settling on her face and her different expressions, absorbing the information. And then her, we settle on her for a while when she's staring up at Mega Monaghan when they get to the camp. Well, so uh, I think to me, it's more about bringing Michelle Monaghan back into the story and ending, like bringing closure to that. Yeah, because they really did um, leave that as like an open door. Because it for a was while. just they like kind of mentioned it a little bit in um, the films between um, uh, three and now. Yeah, yeah, I think you see um, her. You in, like, see one her at the end of the movie. At the end of, but he's like of, checking up on her. Of Ghost Protocol. I, I think I Ghost Protocol. See, they yeah. start to blur together, yeah. but yeah. <laughs> um, uh, so it, um, I, I feel like that was the more important thing and then i actually think in that i actually think the editing in that scene when um when they realize that uh um michelle monahan is at the medical camp i think the editing in that scene is really well done and it's really tight i love the sequence i love seeing her character again it's just the lingering on Rebecca's face see I don't express her emotions yeah but see I don't think they linger I think they use it and I'm gonna quote McCory from uh the interview that I listened to um he is use in that scene he said that he's using Rebecca Ferguson to show what um uh Ethan Hunt can't emote because Ethan Hunt is the consummate spy so he's saving face in this moment where his estranged wife is there and her new husband is there. So he's 
trying to put on this persona. And so uh, Macquarie was using Rebecca Ferguson to help the audience understand what Ethan Hunt is going through. That's really strange to me. To I'd have to maybe to, I recommend listening to the, so, okay, cause the, the interview because maybe I'm explaining it wrong. Yeah, because the way you're it makes sense it, to me. It, it I, feels like you're using a woman mind. to channel a man's emotion. No, it's it's not it's not that. Like don't, <laughs> don't <laughs> I don't really don't 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 even bring that into it. That's not. I'm sorry. It's if just that's the way, the way it sounds. if that's the way I'm describing it, that's but not that's, how it was intended. It's I get what you're saying too, but also kind of like that as we're watching. Where are we going to look for the re- response to her showing back up? We know that Ethan Hunt's just going to be a stone wall. Well, who's the next person? Who... But he wasn't a stone wall. Yeah, like... I thought his. Em- I thought he was emoting himself very well in that scene. I wouldn't have needed Rebecca to emote for yeah, him. Yeah, but at he's all. definitely holding back. Oh, so yeah. I think it's. I think it's a matter of Rebecca Ferguson's character realizing what uh, Ethan Hunt is going through. I think that's what she's emoting in that okay. scene. That's the spoonful of sugar that I helps guess the medicine go down, I guess. maybe yeah. that would be for the new audience for this movie. It could be. For me, since I've seen every one of these films multiple times because I love this franchise, I don't need that. Like, I could, I knew his emotions. I could feel them, and I remember the baggage and everything. Yeah. Uh, I think... Sorry, I was. Just It'll gonna... it, you might your opinion might not change about the scene after you listen to the interview, but I think you should listen to the interview because okay. there's a lot of interesting. I mean, like I said, I, did, I didn't hate about the scene. that scene. So there's I, a lot of discussion about I, that scene. I will say this, and then we should move on. Uh, I think that's the best acting Tom Cruise does in the whole movie is when he runs into her the first oh, time. Oh, every yeah. time he's such a good yeah. job. Every time scene. he sees her face, like I even loved the part when Henry puts her photo down in the oh. elevator and he almost lets go of the elevator like everything yep. about it like because you know he loves her so much still and he probably still wishes he could be her husband and yep. i also think uh wes bentley is very good in that scene too he oh is. yeah because he could be like the dopey like uh you know second guy who doesn't understand what's going on but you can tell that Kind of he has a the, clue that something he gets it. Oh, definitely. And then by the just end, enough. He, he understands. Yeah. <laughs> and, and for a moment there, because he has facial hair, you're really wondering whether or not. He's <laughs> but then um, he turns out to be the one good guy with a beard. What's the doctor <laughs> smock? But we've been talking for a while, so we do yes. need to move on. Um, the, I was going to talk relation to the franchise, but I think we've kind of already gotten there. Um, yeah. The one thing that I will bring up, uh, just because I, I find this interesting uh, to do with these sorts of things. Uh, and then we'll move into quotes. If you had to ask for one thing in the next movie, what would you want them to do next? Like, what would impress you? I think the thing about this movie is that in the previous movies, there's usually been, like, one standout stunt yeah. that, like, defines each movie. This movie has multiple standout stunts. Yes. So but- I guess <laughs> I want the entire movie to be stunts. <laughs> <laughs> um for me, it would be since in this movie they've established uh, Ethan Hunt's wariness a bit and how he is he is slowing down. Even when he was doing the long running scene, he looked like he was like over it. He's tired of running, essentially. Tom Cruise is never tired. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, he, he but he looked forever. tired. His character looked tired. Like he is yeah. every time Benji gave him a direction, he's like Ugh, okay. Well, he did that because he's three great. stories up. He's yeah. supposed to be on the ground. Even so, <laughs> even so, what I'm saying is we have established that he's been doing this for a long time. He is getting kind of tired. He's started to make little mistakes here and there. He doesn't always know exactly what to do in every moment. 
Because there is plenty of times in this movie where he's going, no, 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 no. Oh, I'm going to figure this out. I have to figure this out. I don't know what to do right now. We'll just, you know, pull sure. through it. Uh, and we've established Rebecca Ferguson, Ilsa Faust, face Faust, right? Yeah. As yep. such a capable agent. And she was just kind of a, a secondhand spy in this movie where I would love to see her rise to the occasion and now we start to split it a little bit where she will lead an action sequence. I would enjoy that if we start uh, evolving these movies a little bit to not solely be the Ethan Hunt show, even though I do love Ethan Hunt. This, the franchise will die eventually if, I mean, every franchise dies, but if we want to continue... James Bond. Yeah, yeah. Well, then we have to start recasting. Uh, <laughs> I would love to see her featured more heavily in an action sequence and not just be the backup to Ethan where she is the lead in an action sequence for once. I I would like to to just point out though that her character saves them in the bathroom and when she gets tied up, she saves herself. Yes, those so are both think, nice, but she's no, neither I, of those sequences is she the lead. But she's not lead. taking the helicopter. She's not. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. She's yeah. not she's not the one initiating the fight. And continuing the fight, she's just kind of in a snippet of a fight. Yeah, like th- I'd like to see the focus. On yeah, her. I think you're both kind of saying the same thing. We've yeah. shown how capable and yeah. awesome she is. Now let's see her do a stunt show, like yeah, Ethan Hunt. like she gets into a room, has a fight sequence, and then Ethan comes in in the end and goes, "Oh, you're done. Cool. <laughs> That'd be pretty great. <laughs> you didn't yeah. need me." I would actually kind of like to see now that, like, with uh, per the quote you mentioned, McCoy saying, "Hey, how how, how can I top myself?" I would kind of like to see them go counter to that and try to go more intimate, more small scale, and like try to see if they could make that same energy work with like uh, perceived smaller stakes, that, but that are still very so important. So, like going back to the 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 scene that everybody remembers from the first movie, where it's the the you know Kara being down to re- oh, repelling yeah. down to oh. the but something floor, that, but being quiet and because yeah. we're we're being revved like really high up here with yeah. all this action and high octane stuff, and it'd be really cool to kind of jump back a little bit. And it'll be unexpected. I wouldn't expect yeah. that to be the next yeah. follow-up to Ghost Pro or uh, Fallout would be that you know a- rest a little bit. <laughs> I just I don't see at this point with where Ethan Hunt is. I don't see him getting called out on those small jobs. No, yeah. um, it'd be cool to see, but I don't. But to 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 the whole age thing, that could be the the out that you could get yeah, yourself that's into true. for it. Yeah. Um, I think for me, what I really want to see is like I think it'd be interesting to see if the government like disavow Ethan Hunt and, like, again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, the, this uh, time the entire world is after him. It's yeah. like John Wick three. Yeah, or maybe we can have like a motorcycle chase. Uh, <laughs> maybe maybe they'll avow him in yeah. the next one. You're hired, <laughs> and then like there's thirty minutes of like. I was not expecting that. Yeah. What get, do we do He'll now? get a medal of honor, huh. a nice pat on the yeah. head, and be like, yeah. good, uh, good job, chap. We love Ethan Hunt. <laughs> good job, chap. Hip, hip, cheerio. Uh, no, what, what I'd really like to see in the next one is kind of, it's closer to what Chewie was saying, but I'd like to see them, they've always had this like team around him, um, and, and I'd like to see them kind of expand the team more in the way of what they're flirting with in three and then didn't really fully go that way. But since he is getting older and a little bit worn down, I think it'd be nice to kind of give him like, uh, I'll use the way in the ring today. I'll use green lantern core as like a reference of like the green lantern core, at least where it was before Grant Morrison took over was essentially the four earth humans. And none of them were more capable than the other. They're all needed at all times. And I think it'd be kind of interesting to give, um, Ethan Hunt that sort of support so if we have Rebecca Ferguson now we have Benji who we've seen to be more capable 
start making it a little bit more like he can share the load because he is getting older because he is a little bit more worn down. So instead of just having Ethan Hunt's doing the chase, Ethan Hunt's in the helicopter, Ethan Hunt's doing this, we could have all those going at the same time, but all four different agents doing it. So we, like the Mission Impossible version of Avengers. Yeah, Avengers. But, yeah, I think I, that'd be kind of cool. As long, of it, as long as we don't just have woman against woman like an Avengers again. Well, right, well right. yeah, speaking, of course, but and speaking of Avengers, I'd like to see Jeremy Renner back. That's why yes. he wasn't oh, he wasn't yes. in this movie because because of Avengers, um, they toyed with the idea of bringing him back and killing him. Like that was the oh, most that so they sad. could get out of his schedule. I've been so mad. And they decided that it wasn't worth it, that it was better to hold on to his character and keep his character in the world. So I would like to see him come back. Oh, yes. He and Tom Cruise work so well together. Like, And I kind of have the same thing with like Henry. Like, it, yeah. I understand you kind of have to kill Henry. Like, It just kind of makes sense in this movie. Yeah. But the two of them work so well together. I'm like, sign him up for the next Tom Cruise movie. Like, Just They have really good chemistry. Make sure he's wearing the same pair of pants. <laughs> Jeremy Renner or Henry Cavill? Jeremy Renner. Both? Yeah. I mean, we only got a little bit of Henry's butt in this movie. When he he was getting... basically moons the camera when he's getting to the, the, in helicopter. the helicopter. Oh, yes, I it's know. It's a full I screen of Henry Cavill butt. I liked it. <laughs> And the fact in that, 70 millimeter. And the fact that that, that that countdown clock is just sitting in his crotch, so we got multiple Henry crotch uh, yeah. shots. I'm like, mm. there is a little <laughs> bit of female gaze in these films, which is one of the reasons I love them. Uh, okay, so let's move into quotes. Um, I have two, but I, I'm going to do the one that I, I wrote down because um, I'm pretty sure none of you have this one. I think that Alec Baldwin, when he got signed on for this franchise, he was giddy. That's the only word I can describe. I don't think he was planned to stay in the franchise. No. Well, Alec Baldwin said that he would only come back if they killed him. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Um, but, that's, that's great. Also, uh, in the last film, Sean Harris wanted to be killed because he didn't want to be in the next one. But they decided that it didn't work, and then at the end of shooting that film, they started coming up with the idea of bringing him back. So, <laughs> I mean, it worked. Yeah, I mean, both of those worked. Alec Baldwin yeah. dying worked, and Sean yes, Harris coming yes. back worked. So they made the right call. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like Alec Baldwin, since he he turned down the franchise uh, famously in his career when he decided not to be um, what's the character's name? Jack um, Ryan. Jack Ryan. Um, he never really got to do like his spy movie stuff. So now doing it older in his career, you can just kind of see like. As much as you want to see the councilman or whatever the hell his name is, it's Alec Baldwin, and he's having a good time. <laughs> and they gave him a really good quippy moment when he puts the gun to Henry Cavill's back of, I've just ruined your day, haven't I? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh. And then he has another one. They're like, oh, you thought that one was loaded, but this one is. Yeah. Every, yeah. There's like one. there's like three like great yeah. lines in a row in that scene. Yeah. It's like, I, just, I love seeing Alec Baldwin. <laughs> it's like, that was, that was really cool. That was mine, though. Yeah. Uh, so for mine... Uh, I like the line that Erica Sloan used when she was kind of dissing the IMF, saying it's like Halloween, a bunch of grown men in rubber masks playing trick-or-treat. And I like yeah. that that's what I kind of come to these movies for, the yeah. grown men in masks yeah. you know, doing the trick-or-treat thing, and that this movie was able to take it to 11 with that, that room, doing it in the whole room. The room was a yeah. mask. And, and then they bring it back in yeah. the scene yeah. where yeah. Uh, <laughs> Walker <laughs> realizes that he's talking to someone in a mask. It's great. It's a great moment. Such a great yeah. moment. His thought do you know, process is Do you know if visually. Angela Bassett's coming back? I I assume that she's going to it like somehow it. it felt like they're return. kind of setting up a, yeah. a new M yeah. sort of character. Yeah. yeah. Um, my favorite line, which is working into Ethan's getting a little wary, uh, is when... He's running down the plan. He's like Benji, and Benji's gonna put on the mask, and we're gonna, and then we're gonna switch him out. And then Benji's like, "Okay, well, what's happening after that? How am I not gonna die?" And Ethan's just like, "I'm working on it." <laughs> 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 I'm 
Like, I love that moment. <laughs> like, stop asking questions, Benji. God, I love Simon Pegg in these movies. <laughs> uh, Kyle, did you say yours or no? You said one no, earlier. No, so I said one earlier, but my favorite line from the film, uh, f- for multiple reasons, is uh, Henry Cavill says it uh, uh, to uh, when Walker is talking to who he thinks is Lane. Uh, why do you have to make this so fucking complicated? <laughs> a certain song popped in my head after he, after yes. he shouted that. <laughs> and I just laughed and laughed. It was great. I just think it's a great line because I, I love the trope in these spy movies of the villain like making this like really complicated like plan where everything has to go right for all of yeah. these things to happen. And finally a character just calls it out and it's like, why don't we just kill him? <laughs> like, I love that moment. Plus, um, it is the uh, first F bomb in the mission oh, series. And, oh, really? And as a like, and he sells it. Yeah, he oh, like, yeah. Really <laughs> it was the mustache that sold that F bomb. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and as a character moment, it's the only time his character like kind of loses control for a moment. He's always very collected and reserved in every scene until that one. I feel yeah. like it's always kind of bubbling under yeah. his oh, yeah. like it's exterior. Bubbling, but he, all he, times. He lets yeah. it out in that yeah. one moment. Yeah. And, uh, the, yeah. and it, the my other line that I just want to throw out there because yours kind of leads into it is uh, when they're both in their crashed helicopters and Walker looks down at Ethan Hunt and goes, why won't you die? And I love that because I just like to think about how many people have thought that about Ethan yeah. Hunt. Why like, won't you just <laughs> die? Like how many people just looked at him like, how is he still fucking coming after me? Like I could, I blew up an entire city and I just see him running away from it. Like what the fuck? <laughs> it's Ethan Hunt. It's Ethan Hunt. He's, he's invincible in a way. Uh, review system today will be movies featuring a double cross you totally saw coming. I don't think it was the movie's fault that we saw Henry Cavill definitely coming as a double cross. The trailers spoiled this shit. Well, I don't think the mustache it did. I also don't think the movie tries to hide it as much as everybody think it does. Like it's it's revealed pretty early on when he gives the phone. As soon like, as the phone comes. It's that's, like, oh, yeah, he's a straight-up bad guy. About, we don't fully, I guess, know the extent of his badness, but yeah. there, there's always clues. Um, I think there's actually clues really early on in the film, too. Like mustache. I, I, well, yeah, the yeah. mustache. <laughs> but I think I want to say he also... I think he's in the... Um, uh, the exposition dump at the beginning. I think his... Face is blacked out, but he's in there. Like, oh, that would surprise one of me. The, yeah. yeah, but it's also so like it's, out of all these characters who we've come to know out of the series, he's the one we don't know. Yeah, out in the field with him yeah. is like, okay, I have a pretty yeah. good guess. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's kind of the fun of it. It's like you know, but like, when are they going to reveal it? Yeah. So this is the curse your inevitable betrayal <laughs> so, review system. John, do you have one? Because I have one, and I'm really proud of it. Go for it. Oh, go ahead. You can do it. I have a couple. So mine would be Coco. Pixar's nice. Coco. So and that is a good one. There's there's twists in that movie that I genuinely saw coming. But the thing about both these movies and their plot twists are I think it's the difference between an obvious plot twist and a logical plot twist. I think these are both examples of just logical storytelling and like, oh yes, of course that's a twist. Like that. Makes the most sense for the story. Yeah, that works. 
mine is going to be uh, related to, if you listen to our Valentine's Day episode with our, our couple's night movie, uh, Titan AE. And it was just one of those things where you see the character, um, I'm forgetting his name now, um, but he's voiced by, uh, how am I forgetting his name? Nathan Fillion. Not Nathan Fillion. Um, fuck, Timon from... Uh, Nathan Lane? Nathan, Nathan Lane. Lane, thank you. Voiced by Nathan Lane. And you just see the character design, you're like, oh, that's a bad guy. Oh, he's a good guy. I don't think he'd be a good guy. He definitely. Oh, no, nope, he's a bad guy. There he is. <laughs> it's just like one of those things where it's like, I totally see this coming the whole way through. And the movie doesn't really try to hide it. Kind of like this one doesn't really try to hide it. Like, it does as much as it has to to say that it tried to it tried a little bit. And I was totally fine with that. And it worked. Yeah. Uh, for me, it's uh, Iron Man. The, oh. minute you, the minute you see Obadiah Sane come in with Jeff Bridges, and you're like, he's a bad dude. More great facial hair. Yeah. yeah. And, and in fact, he had like, no hair. hair on top. So yeah. that, that yeah. was like the, the double whammy oh, yeah. Yeah. of villainy right there. Like, Obadiah, you look a shitload like Lex Luthor right now. <laughs> yep. Let me just eat these marbles real fast. Let me just eat these marbles real fast. Yeah. Last but not least... I'm just going to go for an overall franchise double cross, not oh. the movie it was featured in. Okay. Because the movie it was featured in is not very good. Uh-oh. Where the hell are you going with this? I'm curious. Emperor Palpatine turns out to be the oh. bad guy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess that's spoiled like decades before <laughs> we see the twist happen on screen. Yeah, you explained that well at all. You see him... The, you know, all the Jedi, I think, you know, Senator Palpatine, he's totally on our yeah, side. Yeah, you see Phantom yeah, yeah. and you're like, that guy is trustworthy. Oh, shit. <laughs> I would leave him the keys to my flat. Yeah. Yeah. He's an uh, upstanding dude. Yeah. I guess, yeah, if you watch them in episodic order, that is a twist <laughs> that you see coming. <laughs> so, yes, uh, inevitable betrayal, but it leads into so many amazing things, and I love it, so that. Well, that's done. a good one. Don't follow your career with great interest. <laughs> I was trying to think of a singular movie that I loved that I had a double cross, but I'm like, nope, nope, Star Wars. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, so that is it for Mission Impossible Fallout. Uh, we've ruined absolutely everything in the movie, but if you haven't seen it by this point, that's your fault. Um, coming up next week, we have a movie that I was so prepared to fall in love with. And then I didn't, and we're going to talk about why. Uh, I still think it's a great movie, and I think it was very well made, but it's not my favorite by a long shot. We're talking about Roma, how everyone pronounces it. Um, Roma. <laughs> ma, 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 ma. Uh, and I am I'm very excited to talk about it. We have a uh, good old camera guy and fellow venture bro come to talk with us, Mr. Graham T. Mason. It'll oh, be a cool. lot of fun. Uh, and then after that, we have more episodes. You'll have to listen to find out because I don't have the calendar in front of me. So quick round of plugs. Listen to Venture Bros every Monday at 10 a.m. Listen to Samwise every Wednesday at 10 a.m.? Tuesday. Tuesday at 10 a.m. Uh, articles are Wednesdays and Fridays. Fridays are usually by Matt Dykes. Be sure to check out his Babylon 5 article. Uh, we have more shows coming down the pipeline, but we do not have launch days for them yet. So they are Demon Days and a Dogs Podcast to be determined when they're coming out, but it will be soon-ish. Yeah, and now it's just for Demon Days. It's just getting everyone together. I'm fully prepared. Nice. Yeah. Uh, anything else to plug? No, that's pretty much it. Um, we're on Twitter and Facebook. Follow those and yep. share our stuff. Cool. 
Joey, anything to plug? Let's keep watching Superstore. Give us me, keep give me having good job security. I yeah. appreciate that. Watch it twice, even. Yeah. Yeah. And Kyle, what are all the plugs that you have? All the plugs. <laughs> yeah. uh, the main plug is uh, Check 15, the monthly Cancer Awareness Day. Every month we create a cancer awareness video. Uh, check15.org. Um, and uh, uh, I also can... I guess, announce that um, I have been nominated for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society's Man of the Year. Congratulations. Um, Congrats. uh, Thank you. Uh, Their Man and Woman of the Year is a uh, fundraising campaign. Um, It's a bit of a competition. All the candidates um, try to get the most votes. One dollar equals one vote. So from March 25th through June 8th, I will be uh, campaigning to raise funds for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Amazing. Make sure to send us a link to that and we'll post it on our site. I will indeed, yes. Uh, And then I would like to mention if you really love Mission Impossible Fallout, uh, once you finish this (laughs) podcast, go check out uh, Empire Film Podcast, their spoiler special. Um, uh, featuring uh, director Christopher McQuarrie. Parts one and three are interviews with him. Uh, They're a little redundant, so if you just want to listen to one, you can just listen to part one. Um, They kind of, the third, part three embellishes upon a bunch of stuff. What happened with part two? Part two is just the Empire crew talking about their reactions. Um, Altogether, parts one and three are almost six hours long. Oh, goodness. Uh, And they go into extreme detail about the filmmaking process, the editing process, the stunts, the, um, the, the fact that they didn't have a script, a finished script when they were making this film. Huh. And I think the fact that Tom Cruise broke his ankle in the middle of production, I think it saved this film. Because it gave them That's time to yeah. work on the story, That's and then they came back even after yeah. after he, you know, his ankle miraculously healed in like nine weeks. <laughs> they um, played that clip on uh, the Graham Norton show, yes, or whatever, over and yes. over again. And uh, he prayed yeah. to Zenu, and Zenu <laughs> delivered mm, those Zeno foot splints. <laughs> um, but uh, it's a really interesting. Um, interview if you're if you love this film and are really interesting in the filmmaking process. They also talk a lot about the um, the uh, testing process, mm. which happens with a lot of uh, uh, blockbuster films. They test the movie, then they have questionnaires and they yeah. talk to the audience and stuff. Um, they did a lot of extensive testing. Oh, with interesting. This film. interesting. Yeah. So that brings a close to today's episode. Uh, thank you very much, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Kyle, for coming back on. Always a pleasure to have you. Uh...